Welcome to Food and Loathing, your weekly opportunity to eavesdrop on some spirited conversations between a few of Las Vegas' biggest food nerds. <laughs> I'm your host, Al Mancini, coming to you today from one of my favorite restaurants in Las Vegas, Ada's Food and Wine in Tivoli Village, which until about a week or so ago was known as Ada's Wine Bar, but more on that in just a few minutes. Co-hosting with me today is OffTheStrip.com food writer Samantha Gemini-Stevens. Gemini, Hello. how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing okay. Thanks. Yeah. We kind of matched today. I know. I'm loving it. You've got your Rolling Stones t-shirt on. you got your Rolling Stones I, t-shirt ish. on. Yeah, ish. Is that is that a, a, like a Rolling Stones rainbow LGBTQ I, t-shirt or is it just somebody? I think that, somebody just bought it for me because I they know I like rainbow stuff and it was fun. And, and you like tongues sticking out of I, mouths? I do. I okay. do. You know, and it's a little off the shoulder so I can just show off some tattoos stuff so yeah awesome. life is good well you're looking good <laughs> thanks thank you thank you and our guest um actually i should say our guest for this portion not for the entire t- episode but our guest <laughs> for this portion is the las vegas chef who created not only this restaurant that we are sitting in but also the nearby al salito posto and the arts district landmark esther's kitchen i can of course only be speaking of chef james trees james Woo-hoo! chef thank you for having us today and um welcome Oh, thanks for having me. Well, we talk about um, you often enough. You should be here. You know, I, I have heard that there is a portion of this uh, podcast that is dedicated towards me, and I, and I appreciate that. Well, you know, we talk about where we eat every week, and um, it seems like every week somebody who's on the show is eating in one of your restaurants, which is a testament to just what institutions they've become Absolutely. here in Las Vegas. We're very lucky, and thank you guys. And I, I mean, it really comes down to all the people who are running the restaurants and the teams who are in there, whether it's... It's Keith and George uh, and Dylan downtown, or it's Jackson and Kat here, and then you have uh, Chris and Adam over at Alcalde Posto. I mean, those guys are amazing, and they're all part of a you know a family of restaurants that we really love each other. We support each other. We critique each other. We're honest with each other, and we keep building these things that people want to come to because we only want to be the best at what we do. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, well, you're, you're doing a good across. job, and yeah. we're in these places all the time. And, yeah, man, and I saw some new re- menu redesigns over at Al Salito Posto. I think the yep. chicken parm you oh, just read I mean, it. Not just the chicken parm. I mean, so basically after two and a half years, I've just decided to take all the things and throw them out and start over. <laughs> okay. Like that's literally like, I mean, like we've been through a lot of uh, different kind of like ebbs and flows at El Salido. And I think it's time now to kind of kick everyone else's vision out and just be like, this is what I want to do. And I have Adam Rios over there and I couldn't ask for a better partner with him and Chris Matson, And now we have Josh Bianchi on as uh, the exec suit. I saw that. Awesome. And J- Josh is just an amazing creative talent. So, to so the last him. everybody may remember Josh, yes. just because I like to bring people up to date, yeah. was his pop-ups um, last summer he was doing over at the Palms, right? He did a few. Yep. And he was at Vegas Test Kitchen. Yep. Um, what and has he, he been doing since? Well, he was with Nina. Oh, yeah. with Nina Forte. Did, right, right. He did pop-ups December Forte. residency. Yeah, yeah a little, little Osteria kind of vibe, kind yep. of the things that he wanted to cook. And, you know, one of the things with Josh that I really love is, you know, not just the humility, but the ability to take in information and then put it to working towards the goal of making something better. I think one of the things that we love about Josh and one of the things I love about working with him is that 
you know, he's trying to make things the way I want them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I want you to make food that people want to eat. Yeah. Like, that's my main goal. It's not about what I want. It's not about, you know, what, you know, Summerlin wants. It's it's about what people want to eat. Like, this, like, we can make things that are amazing. Yeah. But if they're unapproachable, then it, they're not going to work. Right. So getting them out of, like, that super high-end kind of vetri vibe that, you know, they're going to do 50 covers a night, and that's great. Yeah. We have 240 seats over at Al Salido, and I need standardization, banging it out, Things need to be perfect all the time. You know, that's where him and I are really trying to, like, learn how to work together. And I really love his attitude and his passion and his creativity has really gotten Adam and I to really drive forward what we want to do there. And he's an amazing part of that team. So I just am so lucky to be working with Adam and working with Josh and Chris in the front of the house, busting out the Amaro cart. I've been asking for oh. that Amaro cart for two years. <laughs> I hit, want it. That hit social media the other day. And yeah. I've got a friend coming into town this weekend who also loves all of your stuff. Right. And uh, so I texted uh, at two people, two different people. And I said, guess where we're going this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> Amaro cart. Amaro. Do you have any grappa Amaro on that cart? cart? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we have uh, grappa um, from Piemonte. And so we have... You know, we I think we have one made out of uh, Galera, which is Prosecco grapes. Mm-hmm. And then we also have one made out of uh, uh, Sanjo. Oh, so, wow. like, we have some really kind of fun, like, little things in there. Uh, David Bonatesto, when he was with us, who's an amazing uh, procurer of liquor, was able to get us some really cool gems. And we've held on to those things kind of like up on that rack above. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Like, yeah. So Which we're taking some of the. beautiful to stare at anyway. I know, right? It, it, it's an amazing thing. I wanna, and me, you know me, I'm like, get up there and get something fun down. Let's, let's yeah. drink it, you know? Yeah. Well, look, James, um, you know, we're going to be talking to Jackson and Kat about what's going on here at Ada's and about the name change and everything, probably in about 15, 20 minutes or so. But as you know, we always kick off the show um, talking about where we've been eating, what restaurants we've been visiting, kind of giving our little mini reviews so that people can get a feel for, you know, those of us who are out all the time, where we're eating and what's cool and fun oh, wow. and exciting. So how about you? I think a lot of people <laughs> never really, I mean, knowing what a, a food writer like like myself or Gemini, where we eat is one thing. Half the time it's invitations, media, True. meals, things like that. But um, a chef who has three restaurants in this town, who has so much going on in his own life, when you get a precious night off from work, I think people would be really interested in knowing where you've eaten recently. So what's going oh, on? What are your most recent restaurant meals, chef. You know, it's kind of funny. I, I don't do a lot of dinners out as much as I do lunches. Yeah. Well, and, that's good to know. Obviously, I'm a lunch fan. Yeah, obviously having Steven over at uh, Test Kitchen, uh, my old chef de cuisine, I love going over there and seeing him every single week. That's for the Jogogi's yeah. concept. Yeah. Exactly. Test Kitchen. His ribs he's doing this week are really oh. off the charts good. You had the McRib, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I last, look, I got the sandwich version of that a couple weeks ago, and it was just outstanding and you know um let's see bobby did a pop-up at uh at a at a what's the place across the nope across the street oh. he, at uh Gurgis. oh yeah so I, I i bobby, got a, I got bobby uh, who he's one of my servers he okay. does stay tuned burgers. burgers oh yes yeah. stay tuned so, burgers i'm yeah. going to be talking about that okay let's let's get into both of those okay jogogi is a little bit of news yeah. um so it's only going to be lunch mondays through thursday yep. um i know Stephen lee just posted that yeah um and he's not going to be doing the jogogi sushi anymore no i mean it's like you know i here's the thing about like that people don't really understand about his concept it is is very much American 
food mm-hmm. with the flavors of Korea kind of right. yeah I mean he's been that. advertising po' boys and yeah. all kinds of yeah really I had fun one of his po' things. boys it was really good <laughs> and, and that's the thing is like so when you think of like Asian fusion food this is American fusion food which is really kind of interesting for yeah. what he's doing I mean his Calbee smash burger is ridiculously oh. good so those kind of fun things and then uh, you know and Bobby uh, has been <laughs> a server with me for about two years mm-hmm. over at uh, Esther's and you know one of the things with, you know, with our wonderful friends from Winnie and Ethel's, mm-hmm. you know, those are my, you know, my sous chef, uh, uh, Aaron, who was with me for a few years. And his sous chef is Nick, who's one of our cooks at Esther's. And, you know, and then you have uh, Stephen, who's moved on. And, like, all these people are going out and they're opening their own things. And I think what we're doing is we're empowering these guys to believe in themselves. Because if I can do it and they see how dumb I am, <laughs> man, then they're so much smarter. They can go out and do these things. And that's where, like, Bobby and Bobby, like, started with the passion of, you know, I just want to do a smash burger. I don't want to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Like, we had to convince him to put tater tots on him. Man. <laughs> oh, man. Like, dude, like, that's, like, he wants to be a purist. I mean, you're talking about a guy who grinds all his own beef, yeah. and at the end of the event, he throws it away. Wow. He's not saving it or doing anything else. There's no. no he wants uh, it to be the quality. Yeah. If you yeah. go in, you're yeah. getting what's good. Well, I'll tell you, we went in there, and this was I had for my my section later, but I'll talk about it. I went back into a Vegas Test Kitchen this past weekend. Um, Jogogi's was not there. We got there a little early. They mm-hmm. started sushi a little later in the day. Um, we did the pizza, which was really good. Um, and by the way, yeah, Salamente pizza. I From believe Ethan, they're calling yep. it. Yeah, um, Ethan's doing really weird crusts and dough over it's there. So fun. And he told me it was like the most hydrated that he had ever made but it's the nationally <laughs> le- naturally leavened crust so um yeah it was really fun crust you should definitely check that out but and we ordered the irish one because oh, it was yeah. st patrick's day but they're like no yeah i also have to get a margarita which is always <laughs> what happens i never order the signature item so they always send me the signature item anyway right yeah. so that pizza was great but for stay tuned burgers sue saw that they had a grilled cheese on the menu yeah. and she was craving a grilled cheese and this thing came out and this looks like interestingly i had just heard some djs talking about how they used to like to go to McDonald's and order the cheeseburger with nothing but the cheese, right? <laughs> this looks like a McDonald's cheeseburger. If oh all you God. had on it was the cheese, right? It. It's skinny as yep. fuck. It looked, you're like, what the hell's going right. on with this? It's got the griddle marks on it, all that shit. And Sue loved that grilled cheese. Yeah. But of course they sent over a burger, right? Yeah. And now this is why I'm gaining back all my weight that I lost while I was sick. <laughs> um, because people just send me all this extra food. But um, I have to tell you, I would never have ordered that burger out. That burger, I was trying to put it into words and sue and i were bouncing it around that burger reminds me of everything good i remember a whopper tasting like when i was younger oh wow and none of the bad that convinced me never to go into a burger king for the past 15 years of my life right that was a flashback memories of an idealized version of a whopper without any of the fast food shit going on so, I mean, the other places that I've been over the last week, yeah. I mean, so I, sn- I snuck into Weiratai. I only go to the original location on Sahara. On Sahara, yeah. The Nam Khao Todd, uh, the Khao Soy, the, and... They used to do duck soup, and I always ask them if they'll do the duck soup, and like maybe one out of every five times I go, <laughs> they'll make it for so me. So you're saying there's a chance. If, you, <laughs> if you're if James you Trees, there's you a chance. That's true. <laughs> if you ask, you may get it, but most likely if they're not having it for lunch, you're not, you're not having it. Lunch. <laughs> and, then, and then the other burger that, you know, that jumps out of mind that like I got to go have was uh, a pit stop burger. I, I mean, don't know like, one. So Pit Stop has been open for probably 25 years. We've all got these question marks over I know. Our it's, in, it's, it's in Boulder City, and it's just a burger spot. They do a burger. They You can get it with 
American cheese. You can get it with bacon. And they do like, you know, little side things, yeah. fries, stuff like that. Yeah. They do the burger sauce and they do that kind of stuff. Very, very straightforward. I will say this. It is worth the drive to go to Boulder City I'm to in. get that burger. And there's also, I, doesn't Boulder City have a beer festival coming up? They do. For anybody who may be heading Saturday, out to that, as a matter good of fact. to know. Yeah. This Saturday, um, March 25th. Because you can only eat at the Dillinger how many times, right? right? Like we all eat there every time we go to Boulder City. <laughs> no. But. I mean, the cup cafe, the, was the coffee cup? Coffee cup. The, for me, it's the coffee cup and the pit I love stop. the Southwest Diner. I'm telling you, their mm-hmm. Bloody Marys and their their sort of typical American breakfasts are also yeah. worth it. I, I, I don't know. Like, I've been having crushes on the girls who work at the coffee cup since <laughs> I was 16 years old. So, I mean, like, I don't know how they all have changed it out. They're probably their daughters and everything else. Right. Like, I was going to say, it's the same girls that have gotten <laughs> old with you yeah, or no? Like, but they're no. always, like, 19 and tattooed. And I'm just like... <laughs> Yes. Like. <laughs> don't, don't you love it that that look is that thing that every everything that I thought was attractive in the 90s, but only like you had to go to New York City to see girls right? that looked yeah. like that are now like just everywhere. And God bless America. Yeah. For God that. bless yes. America. But yeah, no, so Yay the for tattooed pit stop, women. I mean, the pit stop, always get the double, you know, American cheese, add bacon. You don't need anything else. I mean, I'm writing this yeah. down. I know you're taking, <laughs> you're taking copious notes over there. That's, that's like, I want to eat everywhere. James eats. <laughs> no, and, th- and that's the thing is like that's been my go-to burger in Vegas for forever. Oh, I so, love yeah. it! Cool. So big, big, big win over there. And then yeah, just that and Weira and Jagogi's, and that's where I've been. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank yeah. you for sharing, yeah. Chef. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Gemini, what about you? Where have you been eating? Oof. Well, I mean, Ooh. another one that has been getting a lot of airtime just because I've been eating there so much is Shanghai Taste. Our <laughs> um, please send noodles with three exclamation points on Facebook. Don't forget that. We've talked about that on uh, this show before. Please send noodles. Quick reminder, it's a cookbook cooking club. Yes, cookbook cooking club. Uh, Anybody is welcome to join us. You don't have to be in Vegas. Uh, We pick a book, sometimes two every month uh, or so, and we study it, we cook from it, we chat about how our recipes are going, how it worked for somebody else. James had a question. Are you going to do Katie's new book, Katie Parla's new book? I need this book. Oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. So Katie Parla, you know, she writes for the New York Times. She writes about Rome. She's been kind of like studying all these other places, Istanbul. But she just released a book. I think she's on her book tour right now. Okay. It's uh, Food of the Italian Islands. Ooh. It is an amazing cookbook. It's not a good cookbook. It's not like, oh, that's an interesting thing. Like, it's an amazing cookbook. Her last cookbook that she did, I remember going to Ikurti at the base of Vesuvius, uh, Vesuvia, like yeah. when we were in uh, Naples, and we're like talking, blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh, Katie, you know, texted, like, you're here. I was like, really? <laughs> they're like, yeah, we're in the book. And they come out at Ikurti with the book. Oh my and God. they like show us, like, this is us. Awesome. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. But. She's an amazing ambassador for Italy. She's one of the best voices about when it comes to regional Italian food. Yeah. But like they, there's a recipe in there that I've been doing for a long time, which is fregola and clams, Ooh. which is from Sardinia. Yep. And let me tell you, I know Kim would lose her mind <laughs> over this book. She will I know love she's going to listen to this, so I'll just tell her I'm buying the book and I'll bring it on Monday. You Shout should. out to Kim <laughs> Foster, that's, that's the, the yeah. leader that's of right. Please Send Noodles. She yeah. is. 
So where did you please send so, me those folks? So well, we started out at SF Market. There's two SF Markets on, on Spring Mountain. We went to the one at Decatur and Spring Mountain, and we did a little shopping for Asian ingredients because our current book is The Walk by J. Kenzie Alt-Lopez, or Lopez-Alt, sorry. And uh, some people have no idea what to do when they see some of those ingredients. So some of us who have done a little bit more of that kind of cooking, grabbed some others, went shopping, and then because it's literally 0.4 miles or something away, we went to Shanghai. Joe happened to be there. Chef Jimmy was there. We, there were 16 of us. We took over this long table in the back. And if you've been there, you know it's not a huge place. Um, but James Beard long-listed, right? John, James Beard long-listed. Yep, he is on yes. that list. And, uh, yeah, so one of the girls was super excited. She started ordering things. And next thing you know, everything came out. So... I mean, every dumpling you can think of, from the vegan to the crab yolk soup dumplings. Uh, we even had banana Nutella dumplings for dessert. Uh, in between, uh, a few noodle dishes, wontons and chili sauce, bok choy, uh, the duck and the ox tongue are done beautifully. Two different dishes. Definitely try them, even if you're a little skeptical. It just tastes wonderful. So we got... The list is long, so let's just say it was an amazing meal. Some people had never had some of these dishes before, so it was really exciting to see people try new things. Dishes were being passed. Hands were flying across the table. Copious amounts of tea were drunk. It was it was the perfect afternoon awesome. um, for all of us. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. My two favorite dishes there are the cow foo and the sticky ribs. Yes. Yeah, the cow foo. Yeah. I have not had either of those there. Braised oh. wheat gluten. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's the most delicious dish sponge you've ever eaten in your life. Yeah, <laughs> it's, cool. it's, it really is that is. the one they call the rice cake dish? No, oh, no, okay. that, that's a that's a Korean okay, thing. Okay, because we had Taiwanese. that too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah the, but the kalfu is yeah. the one that's like it looks like pieces of dish sponge. Yes, but yes. it's actually <laughs> just gluten that, that they braise in sweet yep. soy. Wow, and star anise. Uh-huh. It is so good. Okay. Oh, star anise. Going deep um, yeah. into the menu there, because the rest of us just order the Xiaolong Bao and we're happy, <laughs> right? right? And, then, and then you're done. James goes deep. Um, but yeah. yeah, we I mean, we had plenty of carnivores there. We had vegans there. Everybody got something. And uh, yeah, the service was impeccable. Shout out to server Kevin, because we had him running like a chicken with his head cut off. And uh, he deserved every little bit of what we left him at the end. Cool. Um, went to Echo and Rig at the district. Yes. I'd only been to an immediate event before, so this time I actually got to sit down and have lunch with some of my Chefs for Kids dinner committee ladies. And, uh, you know, I, I one one girl ordered the burger that looked amazing. I have to tell, I didn't know this about that uh, their burgers until then. It's not always the same burger. They start with a certain amount of prime beef that they're grinding down, and they've got their seasonings and things like that. But then the rest of the burgers every day could be different because they use pieces from the butcher shop whatever from scraps taking they have. cuts and scraps and things like that so every day the burger could be different it could so have funny. creekstone farms it could have grass fed it could have wagyu so it was really cool to and that's how that. a good gourmet burger should be made yeah. from the scraps i'll never forget the time that i guess i could tell this story now i think all the restaurants are closed but i was in um <laughs> i was in atlantic city and i was hanging out with some people from the mina group i think they had a sea blue there which i love sea blue and um they put a burger BJ on the was menu the chef. 
And was it? Yeah, BJ, the guy who was the chef, is amazing. Well, I was yeah. hanging out with Dave Varley there, yeah. right, at the time. <laughs> and um, he's like, you got to try the burger. And the burger was fantastic. And I'm like, why is this burger so good? He's like, well, we get Bobby Flay's scraps from his steakhouse <laughs> next door. You know, you know, Dave was uh, with us at uh, Bradley Ogden. And everyone always wanted to know what the secret to the Bradley Ogden burger was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was the fact that it was all the trim from our ribeyes and all of our foie gras scraps. Oh man! No, we didn't. We didn't always tell people this, but like literally, it was probably seventy thirty. Yeah, the, the fat to meat ratio. Oh man! Like that was when you could serve it so simply because of the dry age yeah. that we were getting, and then also the combination that flavor, the ribeye cap, and some of the fat, oh, and then God. all that like little bits of foie gras. We would just chop it up and throw it into the mix. That oh was a hell God. of a burger. Yeah, I've got a so lobe simple. in my freezer. I think I might have to get <laughs> yeah, it. You were asking for like pieces. I'm like, go to MGP. Well, like, why? The, well, no, with the pieces, I made foie gras ganache that my, yeah. my girlfriend calls foie my God. And uh, and I don't, I like the off cuts for that because A, it's usually a little bit cheaper because uh, I want to save the nice slices or a whole lobe when I'm actually going to be mm-hmm. searing it off nicely. But uh, I did get my pieces. I mean, so. you know, when we were at, when we were at Mina Group, I remember... Uh, the whole roasted foie gras. Oh, that was one of the oh, signature yeah. items. Yeah, I haven't seen that in a while, right? No, I don't I think I've seen that, that anywhere since I saw time. that on a yeah. on a menu. Yeah. yeah. Oh uh, my hey. God. I love bringing back the classics. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. I'm so, in. Other than the burger at Echo and Ray, yeah. let's, let's get back uh, on I track did, a little because this is going to be a three hour I, podcast. I know. I know. I know I'm, man. I'm, I'm pulling it back. I'm pulling it back. Um. Uh. Uh. Yeah, so I had, because you talked about it the other day, I got the terrine. Oh, yes. Super thin, crispy on the outside. This beautiful sort of carnitas. Like a pig's super head tender terrine. in the middle. Yeah, pig's, pig's ears, head pig's terrine. head, pig's head, right. Um, yeah. And yeah, the outside was crisp. It was seasoned well. It wasn't too thick. Cut beautifully just with a fork. Ate the entire plate. That was my meal. Um, and then some salad and things. Yum. Uh, we shared some pretty standard Echo and Rig basics, but they're standard because they're beautiful, like the portobello fries and the calamari. Somebody else got uh, one of the salads with a beautiful buttermilk dressing. Um, and uh, our mutual friend Rachel got the um, drunken goat sandwich with this impossibly thin bread with like fruit and nuts in it and it was layered with cheese and all kinds of fresh veg absolutely beautiful so definitely get over there echo and rig in the district echo and rig in the district of green valley the old um, elephant bar space the, if yes, you're looking for exactly it. looks so much different i yeah. love it um let's see and then uh, you know i try to keep things positive but i gotta share this on sunday a girlfriend really wanted to go to laria laria it's at the base of the Panorama Towers. Okay. It was Master Chef Sean McLean's place for all of two months, and <laughs> the owners decided to go a different direction almost as soon as they opened. Yeah, I remember the blind pig and in there. The and blind pig used to be in there, yeah. And, you know, I just got to say, it was eh. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the Hollandaise was bland. Everything that should be crispy kind of wasn't. The service <laughs> was super slow. We were the only three people in there for the first couple of hours at opening. Um, so is it more just an amenity for the people that live or I, vacation I, in the Panorama like Towers? Because there was a bunch of people that came in and took over the bar at some point. They all seem to know each other. They all seem to be, you know, so my friend is is uh, basically house sitting in the high rise at the moment. And so she's seen these people before. She's always had great service sitting at the bar. Maybe I need to go give that a chance. 
but I just don't think that I'd be driving over there. I mean, we tried a bunch of different things. I did get a burger, not nearly as lovely description <laughs> as all these other burgers we're talking about today. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think I want to give it another try, but just not just excited. Just not doing it for no. you. Okay, and that I, happens. I really wanted to like it, but just not this time. So cool. Um, any place else? Or are we moving on to me? Uh, let's move on to you. Let's move on to me. I'm going to try to rock this out rather quickly because <laughs> I've done a lot. I'm bouncing back, baby. I'm yeah. trying to eat as many places as I can. <laughs> uh, I attended a collaborative beer pairing dinner at Trustworthy Brewing in the Palazzo. Uh, it had a special menu created to complement the beers of both Trustworthy and Huddle Brewing. So it was a lot of fun. There's not much to really talk about with regard to the food since most of it was only available that one night. Mm-hmm. But I'm mentioning it because I was really psyched to see Trustworthy, which was born in California and located in a strip casino, um, working hand-in-hand with the Las Vegas Arts District original Huddle. So thanks. You know, it's cool to see that community spirit. I wanted to send a shout-out to them and thank them for the invitation. I also dropped by Rosina on my way out of that dinner in um, the Palazzo. And I've got to say, it's the most intimate and by far my favorite of the three lounges within um, the Venetian's Cocktail Collective. Yep, I love it. It's got a great art deco decor, really elegant vibe. I know I realize people are going to think that glam rock feel over at Electra <laughs> is more my thing that kind of David Bowie thing they get going on at Electra and I do like that but um you're a renaissance you know, man I am and also the Dorsey <laughs> is much larger and it's also a great place but for me it's all about Rosina so okay. um heads you know shout out to those guys I also attended the grand opening party for the new Rouge Room in the Red Rock Resort. Uh, This is the space that was once Cherry and was later used for a series of pop-up bars. They had a Golden Knights pop-up bar in there. They had Christmas pop-up bars with elves and all kinds of (laughs) shit. Um, So it is now being run by the Wish You Were Here group. Those are the same folks behind Cassie Beach Club in the Virgin. Okay. Um, and I happen to love the food at Cassie Beach Club. I've I really love everything about Cassie. it. Yep. So I, we didn't get to eat a lot at this. There was a lot being passed around, and I didn't get any of it because I was taking videos and doing all the shit that you do when you're working <laughs> a media night. Uh, but they had live jazz as well as a DJ, super sexy vibe, a private pool. Um, you know, just a totally cool, cool attempt i think to take this sort of supper club vibe that's been all the rage on the strip for so long and the speakeasies and the supper clubs and the live music and really do an elegant version of it out in the burbs because nobody's really done it out in the burbs i think you need a serious budget to do it right otherwise it just looks kind of cheap and half-assed which is a different kind of speakeasy that i also (laughs) like so these guys put in the money and they you know they've got station as their partners and you know they're doing a good job with it so I do, you know, I want to go back because I like Cassie so much. I want to go back and check out the vibe. But and I just when are to, they open? They are open weekends only. Okay. Um, I think it's thir- it might be Thursday through Sunday. It's definitely Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And the pool, the same thing during the day. They're only open at night, and then the pools are open during the day. Limited cool. days. You know, it's something about the, um, the Delilahs, the Mayfair Supper Clubs. You guys have to understand that the original versions of these, like the original Delilah in L.A., Mm-hmm. is like a dive bar with some food, right, in a stage. Like, right. it's not the amazing, over-the-top Las Vegas production. Oh, yeah. I yeah. remember the first and, time and like, I walked yeah, in there and, and the Houston like... Brothers, like, I mean, they do really good bars. They do really good small bars. This is something completely <laughs> that is Las yeah. Vegas. So right. when you go to L.A., try to go to the original Delilah. Okay. I hate to say go to L.A. for something original. Right. But, yeah. like, <laughs> right. go to L.A. and go to the original Delilah, and you'll see, like, they're taking stuff from Vegas that Josh is doing here and trying to bring it back and bring it into the fold of LA because it's so good what he does. Yeah. And they're really good at bars. He's really good at food. So getting a little bit of the, 
Vegas vibe into the LA vibe. Yeah. Would be good for the food over there. Okay. But we definitely need the less choreographed, less set up kind of vibe that those supper clubs have in LA. Okay. We need more of that here. It needs to be toned down. Like we don't need Cirque performers in every damn (laughs) restaurant. You know, you don't need that. Yeah. Well, but we'll see what Rouge Room does, man. Maybe it'll be because it's in the burbs, but you know, it is still pretty fucking elegant. It has a private pool and cabanas out back. So I need to get my happy ass over there. I saw all the photos. I couldn't make it over for a couple of things, but uh, yeah, it just looks so nice. So um, prior to the official opening of Chris Santos's new Stanton Social Prime in Caesars Palace, which we will tell you about during the news section, you'll hear from Chef Santos during that section. But I attended the media dinner in the restaurant's PDR. And, um, man, I feel like Chris served us more than half of that menu. So um, so standouts. Yeah, right. So the stand. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of Beauty and Essex. I yeah. love Beauty and Essex a lot. Um, so, you know, I was really excited to see what he was doing. Standout dishes, a steak tartare served, served over a cheese quesadilla. Um, really mixing the hot okay. and the cold there. I dug that quite a bit. Um, also, the carpaccio, which was drizzled in a warm brown butter, was really awesome. The crispy pierogies, very different than the uh, Martha Stewart pierogies that I had recently. Oh, right. And as a guy who used to, when I was a kid, I made pierogies with my mom. Exactly. I'm excited when anybody puts pierogies on a menu. So bravo to Chris for bringing them in. I also had my first butter board. Oh, and God. that was honestly only interesting to me because the butter came out smoked under glass. So there was a lot of smoke in the butter. So <laughs> at least they did something with a trend that I cared nothing about. Um, it gave it a really unique taste. Um, there weren't a lot of misses in my book. I'd say the dirty tots topped with caviar. It seemed to be trying a bit too hard for me personally. And um, while the f- signature French onion soup dumplings were okay, I mean, they were okay. They were good. I'll, I'll give you they were good. But I actually prefer the grilled cheese and tomato soup dumplings at Beauty and Essex. So, um, hey, have them both side by side. Let me know whether you agree with me on that one. <laughs> Finally, um, Oh, also, I guess the big standout dish dish was a, um, a, a with the T-bone that they hang there and then they light it on fire in front of you oh, table yeah. side. So they got all that shit going on. It's definitely a it's a clubby scene. And Chris will talk a bit about that later. I also have to s- send a shout out and mad props to the pastry team on some truly decadent desserts, desserts, a key lime pie with massive amount of meringue on top, a really amazing um, chocolate peanut butter cake and a strawberry milkshake that was actually looks like it was from that show is it fucking cake because oh, then I you love cut into show. it and it was cake <laughs> you know that's not the real name of the show people it's just called is it cake yeah. but to me it's is it fucking is cake is it fucking cake so um th- th- it was great so you know it's always cool um i like chris santos i like his food a lot so we'll hear more from him in the news section he was my judge on chopped was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Still haven't seen my show. I've never seen the show, but man, he was so cool. I'm going to have yeah. to go back and check that one out. <laughs> right? I lost. Viewing party. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not right, but that's okay. No, no, it's totally. I should have probably seen the show before I went on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it's more fun if you don't go in right? blind. Dude, yeah, they, uh, they were like trying to explain the show to me, and I was like, I was like, so what goes on here? They're like, <laughs> We're 23 seasons in. You don't know. You never show. saw the fucking show. I was like, no, nah, man. Sorry, I don't watch food now TV. Now I'm definitely looking. This How one punk up. are you, man? You're like. I was. I was. It's your Johnny Rotten. Right. No, I TV wish. appearance, yeah, that was, man. That was my one. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I paid a couple of visits to Chinglish over the past week or yeah. so. Food-wise, I stuck to some familiar dishes. Um, the prawn fried rice that I love. The pork bao is great. Those delicious popos, dumplings. I've spoken about all of them before. Not much new to add. Um, but what is new is the cocktail menu. And I actually spoke to Ken Heck about that, starting with some of his friends who helped him and his wife Kitty create the new offerings. Well, we've had the same cocktail menu for the last two years, and it was time for a change. And so we talked to our guests and we found what were the ones that we couldn't get rid of. The things that if you get rid of, they're going to revolt. So we kept two or three from the old menu. But other than that, we had space. So we called our friends who are some of the best mixologists all over the city. And we invited nine different booze nerds to come together and uh and we fed them the entire food menu starters entrees sides everything even desserts and we challenged them to come up with at least one cocktail each that really complements and showcases our food because no matter how great our bar is and i really do think it's one of the best bars in the city dad's food is always the star here okay so what were the results what should people expect when they come in here well, you can imagine a bunch of booze nerds. They all started with things like bourbon and fernet. Um, but, you know, we, we reminded them that we do have to have some diversity. So we ended up with a really cool passion fruit cocktail um, with gin, which was a real surprise. And, and we didn't think it was going to be as good as it was. It's really amazing. It's called the Causeway Sunrise. And it's got some passion fruit uh, puree. It's got some gin, a little bit of... Uh, 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 a niece in it, a little black licorice. It's an amazing cocktail. And I would have never, ever thought that it would have gone so well with our food. But it is absolutely amazing with our Portuguese fried rice. And then we have other things like um, there's a bourbon heavy drink called the Handover. It's slightly bittersweet. Um, and it's got uh, buffalo trace bourbon, it's got some lime, some ginger, and a lot of bitters over the top. <laughs> so the bartenders that you worked with, the mixologists that came in to help you with this, were they people who were familiar um, creating cocktails for a Cantonese restaurant? That's a great question. No. No, I really... Uh, one or two of them were. There, were. there were two or three that work with us, one that used to work with us. Um, but the rest of them... They'd just been in and seen our cocktails and, and really thought it was on point and thought that they wanted to be a part of the program. And actually, that's, that's kind of a cool thing that we did is anyone whose cocktail won out, we put them right on the menu with their name. So on the, on the menu, it says Gary S., Daniel D., Michael P., Matt K. These names are all uh, Jeffrey B., who's in Costa Rica. <laughs> but we put all of these people on there. Um, I will say the, the most entertaining part of this was when I demanded a, a, a coffee or espresso martini. The lineup was six cocktails long, and each one of them looked and tasted completely different. It was really amazing. And I'm really proud of Mac. Um, Mac Kupchik is one of our in-house bartenders who came up with the winner called the Night Market Coffee Martini. And it is an absolute masterpiece of a coffee martini tequila based cool so um what are the what's the price range on these and when can people get them well they're available now and the prices go anywhere from 12 to to 19 dollars a cocktail depending on which one you you go for we try to keep them 
reasonably priced, but we are a craft cocktail bar. So all of the syrups and all the juices and everything is, is made in house. So, you know, it's, it's not a, uh, a Jack and Coke bar, if you know what I mean. And over the weekend, I paid another visit to Vegas Test Kitchen. We talked about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think once we get that, yeah, we did the Vegas Test Kitchens. I think we're good, so I think it's about time to um, mix things up after this break. And we got news coming up shortly, but we're going to be talking first to Kat and Jackson here at Ada's and talk about the name change and all that fun stuff. Stay tuned. This is Food and Loathing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. Want the strip? Off strip? Downtown? Great views? Great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. And joining us for this segment now, of course, Gemini's still with us. Hi. James Trees has left. <laughs> but we have Chef Jackson Stamper and sommelier Kathleen Thomas, or as everybody just calls her here, Cat the Wine Goddess. That's right. How are you? Doing well. Doing great. Yeah. yeah. I know the health inspectors just left. That must have been fun. I, I bring the health inspectors with me when Apparently. I yeah. visit. You brought the you brought the good times. Yeah, that's it, man. I think they just follow me around because I look dirty. I don't know. They're worried. Oh, he's Wherever going to eat there. We, we have to check. Go so, um, guys, there's so much I want to talk about, and I was just in here dining again this past weekend. I had some great dishes off your new brunch menu, and we're going to get to that. But let's talk. What's in a name? Because okay. this place had been known as Ada's Wine Bar for a very long time, and it's now Ada's Food and Wine. So um, anybody want to jump in as to why the decision? Kat, do you feel bad? I mean, you are the wine goddess, and now they, they've demoted you. You're behind food in the name. I hope there's, oh, no. hope there's no drama associated with I'm a tiny with giant, so <laughs> I, I think uh, it was a very collaborative um, thought process and I'm glad that Chef Jackson was able to vocalize this to the powers that be because we've never not focused on great food Yep. and I think it was a really cool and exciting way for me to get the wine aspect out there but food was always a high priority here so yeah I mean I, I will say that I don't drink very much um, I rarely drink and I don't drink wine when I do drink so I and yet this is one of my absolute favorite restaurants in all Absolutely. of Las Vegas. So I think when you when you see Ada's wine bar, you know, there's a temptation to say, I'm not a wine person. Right. And of course, you could go, well, everybody's a wine person. Cat's amazing. She'll find you something you like, which, <laughs> which I is true a million times. Right. But, but the other the truth of the matter is um, and it's all about, you know, Jackson for me, because I'm not a drinker anymore. 
Jackson, it's all about your food and the the creative and so simultaneously creative and exciting and wild and weird, but yet comforting and <laughs> and um, welcoming dishes that you do that uh, that have made this one of my absolute favorite restaurants. I mean, it's a short list for me, you know, places that yep. I'm in love with at any given time. There's like right now Anima, you mm-hmm. guys, um, places where I know you're that I can go in and be comforted by the selections or you'll be willing to take me out of my comfort zone with dishes that I don't think I'm going to dig, but then I order them because I trust you and they're always fucking amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. High praise. High praise. Um, I'll even eat your beet dishes. And I hate <laughs> beet dishes. And there's a pear salad, which I would never order, a grilled pear salad. Oh, I remember so loving good. when you did it. So, um, so what, do you feel like you were kind of getting, the food was being overshadowed for a while by the name? I don't I don't think it was being overshadowed. I, I think when we were coming out of the pandemic and... Um, James, Cat, and I were all conceptualizing this place. I believe that there was um, a, a higher emphasis on the wine. I think that that's what we wanted to be. We wanted to start with a very kind of small concept and have the idea of a wine bar with a, a small food menu, but really cool food yep. um, and easily kind of executable with a very small staff. Um, so, you know, we were only open five days a week. We were only open from two to nine, sometimes two to eight. Um, so it was uh, very small staff, myself, one other uh, cook, cat, a couple other psalms, and that was really it. Yeah. We ran everything ourselves. Our menu was probably only eight, maybe six food items. <laughs> <laughs> so it really felt, one of them. <laughs> yeah. So it really felt more at that time like a wine bar with, with some cool food options and and that was it the food was kind of there to keep you in the place and keep you drinking and enjoying your Mm -hmm. wine and to pair with wines and and make things a little bit more fun but as we grew and evolved it the menu kept growing the staff kept growing and it just feels like it got to a point where i was just like i think we're a restaurant (laughs) (laughs) so it's about time to call us a restaurant so, and, and that was kind of what we all sat and, and talked about. And we all just agreed, like, yeah, I think I think we are. So I think maybe the name should reflect it so that when people look us up, they think more in that direction as opposed to like, oh, this is a stopover maybe before or after your dinner. Right. No, this is a place you can come and just have dinner. So if I can throw out there, um, you know, I, I have sat down with you guys recently. And that was one of the things that Kat and I talked about was, you know, there you guys are unique in the fact that you are a wine bar that it's more than just maybe a charcuterie plate or something and this isn't on anybody else in vegas but especially on this side of town there's not a whole lot going on right Mm -hmm. and so the the issue came up with when somebody is looking for something around here if you don't tell them that food is involved they may skip over you completely because they don't understand that you've had a fantastic food program for so long right so adding food to the title just kind of seemed like a natural thing yeah we felt it was just a natural progression yeah for what we've been doing it's such a chef driven establishment and there's so much of you and i i think i that's i want to talk a bit about your background because okay. you know i met you when you were at the kitchen at atomic yeah and we'll talk a bit about that in a second but you you come from new york city yes. where t- talk about your time in new york city and where you were cooking there very briefly if you don't mind uh yeah no problem um so the majority of my time in new york city was spent cooking at a place called employees only um it's a very very popular cocktail bar um, it's known more as a bar, but it has a full restaurant attached to it, and we were very proud of our food program that we did there. 
Um, so I was there for like five or six years. I worked under um, an incredible chef named Julia Jokšek, who left to open her own places in um, Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, and then before that, I worked at a place called La Polperia, which is still there in Hell's Kitchen. It's a kind of uh, South American-based cuisine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a chef, Chef Carlos Burroughs, that I had worked with for many years between Philadelphia and the Jersey Shore. And then he opened the spot in New York. And that's actually why I moved to New York. Um, so that's that's kind cool. of the places that I worked at. And then you came to Vegas. And um, I now, again, I met you at the Kitchen at Atomic. Kitchen at Atomic, for those who don't know, was a... Um, a short-lived experiment, I guess, with whether that end of Fremont Street down near Atomic Liquors was ready for a higher level of food than yeah. bar food. And um, Vegas Test Kitchen hadn't been there in there yet, nope. I don't believe. Um, Natalie Young had tried to do chow down there. It didn't really do all that well. Um, and one of my favorite now former Las Vegas chefs, Justin Kingsley Hall, yep. had developed the original menu in there. You came in after him, and it always felt like a restaurant where the chefs, yourself and Justin, were both trying to create a restaurant, and everybody just wanted sloppy bar food, and they wanted it. Because Atomic is a, I, I would call it a dive bar. I mean, to me, it's a glorious dive it's bar. It's a glorious you know? dive and bar, yeah. We both did. I think when we first met, in the interview, we both were like, yeah, we can say right. I would absolutely bar. call that a dive bar, yeah. yeah. So um, that sadly did not work out. What did no. you learn, and what did you think about your time there? Um, I, I learned a lot about Las Vegas while I was there, and I met a lot of f- fantastic people. I met my sous chef, who still works with me here. Um, I've met a bunch of other people that are now involved in Vegas Text Kitchen, uh, of other various places downtown. Um, so using it as a springboard for networking was incredible it just got my foot in the door um and and really just introduced me to the city as a food city um and it also just you know introduced me to some of the differences of of las vegas to other places um like we don't all live on the strip or work in (laughs) casinos or (laughs) yeah yeah and also just the neighborhoods yeah where play like what places are known for where what neighborhoods are known for what mm-hmm. um yeah. where people tend to go for what experience those types of things and then you got in with chef james trees and i guess you know this is this place is so interesting because it is not italian as no. other two <laughs> restaurants <Right>. are <laughs> and i i tend to call it a spe- i mean it, it was it would this is always a problem, like especially on Neon Feast, sure. right? Like what categories do I put my most creative favorite restaurants into, right? Because, you know, I put you guys in with Spanish and tapas because mm. that seems to be your primary focus. But is that still the primary focus here? No, that was that was <laughs> when we first started opening. Mm-hmm. Sp- definitely Spanish and uh, Mediterranean small plates was the, the idea. I think we've started to gear a little bit more toward... Uh, I would call it new American, but that's such a, uh, you guys know, that's such a broad uh, overarching term. You can almost do anything under new American. Yeah. Um, But that's kind of what we do. We bounce around a lot. Um, We we talked about this the other day. We did. Jim and I, um, where the menu always tends to make sense, but there is a lot of different influences going on at the same time. But I try to always have some cohesion to it whether the cohesion is that like oh we're going to focus on mediterranean this time we're going to focus on uh northeastern mid-atlantic 
right. West Coast. So it's kind like, of a, I mean, in, in many ways, this is a test kitchen, I feel like, mm-hmm. like where a lot of ideas are being bounced around and some that we may see at other James Trees restaurants. And, you know, there's <laughs> certainly a lot of give and take. Um, just makes it really hard to classify and yeah. then to recommend to people. Yeah. The wine, of course, always a key feature here and has been from day one. Oh, well, yeah. maybe not day one of Ada's because there used to be a lot of gin in here in the very early <laughs> oh, days. Oh, in but the first then, generation. First generation yeah. Ada's. It was pizza, Pre-pandemic. ice yeah, cream, and cart. gin. But yep. it is for a long time been very wine focused. So, um, Kat, what do you try to do with, when you're curating the wine selection here? What's your focus? What kind of customer are you aiming it towards? All of them. All of them. Yeah. Anybody that wants to drink. I think, you know, with my time that I spent on the strip, uh, for so many years. I guess I should have asked your background. So before uh, we start that, why don't you give us a little bit about your background? And I'm from some into- planet uh, <laughs> where there's a lot of loud, <laughs> angry, tiny people. Um, no, I I actually very, very gratefully was uh, part of the opening team at Bellagio. And I was in banquets there, but I was wowed by the wine team and the beverage team. So I was mentored by... Uh, a sommelier, the wine director at the time, who then kind of helped me go over to open Aria. And I worked for Sean McLean, Open Sage, which uh, in uh, my heart forever. I miss that restaurant mm. so me much. Me too. Mm. But all of those things helped me. I was watching, and I wasn't into the wine programming yet, but I was watching all of these great aspects of, you know, what is possible and what gets people excited. And then over the years, I started to hone in on what, made me excitable and that was learning about new regions and trying new things and I figured well why not give people an opportunity to do that here um, so we have some lesser I would say noticeable names that are always on your Instagram posts <laughs> and your social media as being those wow wines but we wow people with uh, the juice that we put out and it's really the excitement of my team um, including the the chef team, they get to really come and taste wines and help choose things. Um, but it's the excitement I think that we get that we share with the other people. Um, and sometimes not everybody's going to like what we choose, and then we listen to them and we find something new. So right. it's it's it is a test place in every which way. It's awesome. It strikes me, again, as somebody who doesn't order a lot of wine. You know, my wife comes in, you always find something that Sue likes, and you always remember what she liked, which is fantastic. So I don't know how I do here. it. <laughs> I, I, I can't know. remember anything and about it, me. But Everybody on your team remembers, too, what she had last time she was in here. So I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys just have a great note system in the back or what, but whatever it is, it works. Uh, but it strikes me that this is not a overly expensive place to drink no, wine, as so many wine bars can be, that you can come in here and get some serious value for your selection. I mean, what's the general price range in your wines by the glass and how many wines by the glass do you offer? Average price. I mean, we do go below this, but I'd say is $15 uh, for wines by the glass. Our average bottle price is about 60. Um, And of course we can go up and can go below that as well. Uh, For me, again, it was all of that time being in the, uh, the glitz and glamour and just seeing the pricing structure that was so rigid in some of the the restaurants that I I'm fortunate that you know Chef James uh, allows me so far to have more of a sliding uh, sort of scale on pricing where I can play around with it and and not 
feel like I'm taking someone's world away <laughs> when they come in and they really love something and they can only get one glass because they want to spend it on, you know, the food or go out later. And it's also for me, when I go out, I don't want to, I mean, I end up doing it no matter what, but <laughs> spending a fortune <laughs> because I have to get champagne everywhere right. I go. Right. But, um, but even then, we try and have champagne selections, true champagne selections that are comparable to being happy in life not spending too much I mean, that's it if you want to have a neighborhood spot i think you want to encourage people that they can come out and have a few glasses and if they want to do it three days a week yeah. you know you got to exactly. keep the price down you can, you're going to get their money either all at once yep. or you can get their money over <laughs> right. time and exactly. there's certainly an appeal to getting people's money all at once and getting them the fuck out but if you're trying to build something for the community i think being able to get their money over time is a better approach well and from a consumer perspective um again we chatted about this the other day um but we've chatted about this a lot over the years um you know she does have I swear to God, it's an eidetic memory because every time I walk in, she knows exactly what I like. I get to try something new. She remembers if I liked it or didn't. But uh, not just the focus on the pricing and, and having a spectrum where people can choose to either spend a lot of money on one thing here or spend you know, maybe the same amount of money but taste a bunch of different things. What I like about it and where the conversation went is that there are also different wines than you're going to find anywhere else. So it's not just that you have this wonderful selection of pricing for people to choose from because that's difficult in a neighborhood like this sometimes. You come up with the coolest stuff that I've never seen anywhere else. Oh, I don't come up with it. I just <laughs> taste and say, yeehaw. I mean, it's, it's really cool. I don't have to really ask for anything specific. And now the, the people that do and I say get to call on us because we're a fun crew here. Yeah, you are. They just, they're like cat, and they know to make a calendar invite with me, but they, they set up an appointment, and they just bring things to taste, and we, we don't look at pricing. Sometimes I don't even want to know where it's from, and we truly blind and deductively taste through things, but my, my people that, that are calling on me are really, I want to give them a shout-out because... This has not been a case for me in the past in big corporate land. You have to reach out and ask and, and say, I need this in right. just this, this realm. And it's very limiting. So it's really a dreamy kind of space to be in. Yeah. We get excited about finding new things and tasting new wines and discovering things that we love. And then that's, that's the stuff that makes it on the menu. That's yeah. the stuff that, that... Same as the food, mm -hmm. though. It's we like we <laughs> that's yeah we're excited about what we do and we we like to pass that on to the guest obviously but but it also I think extends to our purveyors they see what we get excited about and then in turn come to us with stuff that they were like well I don't think a lot of other people are gonna like this but right. you you like this <laughs> you kind of like stuff it. well that's and something so I really enjoy about your menu and and I don't mean to use codependency as in a bad thing but it's not <laughs> just the food relying on the wine it's not just the wine relying on the food there mm -hmm. really is that communication and so. Yeah. You know, you've mentioned previously when when you're coming up with a dish, you think about the wines that you guys have in house, and when you are tasting wines, you're thinking about what menus you might have happening, whether it's now or a change coming or a special dinner coming up, because um, I know that you guys do those wine dinners and things like that. Um, it's just I find it really fun that it's not this huge separation between the back of the house and the front of the house and the and the bar program and the food program. It truly is 
a whole team effort. It's a little family. We're a little family. We all love each other. We're very, <laughs> I think, particular about who we bring on, and and we you know we want the vibe to be right, and we want everyone to enjoy coming to work. And so mm-hmm. it's it's a big part of what we do is is that we we all love each other and we all collaborate with each other, and everyone's got a voice. So. It makes yeah. it fun. Awesome. Yeah, it's like you've never had a job like this before. You know, a lot of people go into work with a heavy feeling, and you know, it's it's fun and enjoyable and rewarding here. So um, that makes me so happy. Before <laughs> we have to run new brunch menu. Yes. And we just rolled that out. I was oh, in here yeah. the other day. I had a Spanish tortilla that was excellent. Um, the shrimp and grits were great. I love that yolk. Oh, it just ran perfectly into well, I know that. What I'm doing so this weekend. fucking good. <laughs> um, uh, we had an omelet, which is cheddar and mushroom omelet, I believe. I don't have my oh notes my in front of me, but it was solid. And then, of course, I got your other shrimp because I have to get your other shrimp. <laughs> oh, every time you're in. Like, the garlic and the chilies. Yeah, oh, the garlic chili I shrimp. Dream every time about you're that in. Dish. <laughs> every time, man. There's no way I'm going to come no. here and not have it. And I was in here with a, another guy who developed a different app about Las Vegas and. I said to him, okay, we're going to do brunch, but you got to get this fucking shrimp. It's one of my favorite dish. Um, so I, I made him, forced him to eat that. And he was like, oh, my God, this is one of the, you're yes. not full of shit. This is one of the best dishes ever. The char on the bread, it's all great. Oh. So brunch is new. That's mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? Friday, Saturday, Sunday, starting at noon. Cool. And then, Kat, I know you do a Psalm Sundays once a month. You invite a guest sommelier before we run. Do you want to promote the next one? Do you know who it's going to be? I do. I do. Big Bordeaux Bob Cranston. Oh, everybody. He's just a little taller than myself. Bob and (laughs) I have been doing a lot of podcasts together (laughs) recently. I'm I'm very excited. Um, I know I'm going to have to tell him to simmer down a few times. (laughs) uh, Are you going to let him bring his guitar? Is that possible? He is bringing (laughs) his guitar. He's bringing there his is guitar. one of the flights where you can request a song. Uh, oh my gosh! <laughs> and when is that going to be? Uh, that's April second from three to five p.m. And again, um, no ticket price on those. Just make a reservation because yes. they do tend to fill up, right? Yep. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much, man. I Thank really you. appreciate you having us in here today. I appreciate you taking some time to talk to us about everything that's going on. Uh, the news is next. This is Food and Loathing. It is time for the news. As I mentioned earlier, Chris Santos hosted an official grand opening party for Stanton Social Prime this week in Caesars Palace. I had a chance to speak to him about the origin of the restaurant many years ago in NYC and how he's resurrected the brand. I opened uh, Stanton Social in 2004 in the, on the Lower East Side. Um, it was an overnight sensation, um, which was good because I poured not only my heart and soul, but every penny that I ever had made up until that point into it. And uh, people really took to it. It was a, a, a share plate restaurant, all share plates, um, everything meant to be shared. Uh, really became a very popular restaurant, kind of like the fabric of New York City. Um, I never imagined we'd have a 15-year run, which in New York City is pretty pretty big accomplishment um, we had two floors there we don't, we don't have that here but um, it was really it was really it became a fun like in, intimate restaurant but with a low-key party vibe um, we closed after 15 years and we're gonna reopen in New York but the pandemic came and swept those dreams away and I was really worried during the pandemic because I was afraid that by the time the pandemic ended when there was no end in sight at that time you know how you know Stanton social gonna have any that name value anymore, you know? And, and, and as, as a project that really kind of launched my career, it's really important to me to bring it back. 
And so we got this opportunity to take the space over here at Caesars, and we're just located directly next door to Omnia, which we which we own also. Um, and so it was like a no-brainer that we were going to take the space, and within 24 hours, you know, the partnership got together and said, let's resurrect Stanton Social. Um, but how do we make it different? And so... We, I said, you know what? For all these, Tower Group is a giant, giant entity. We've got over 70 um, locations and 24 different brands, I think it is. But we don't have a single steakhouse in our portfolio. So that was where I said, you know what? I can take Stanton Social and I can reinvent it into a modern steakhouse and have it still be really fun and still mirror the experience it used to have on the Lower East Side, but bring it to Vegas. And I'll tell you one thing that's really crazy is one, once it was announced, like I have like 800,000 people on my fan page on Facebook or whatever. Like the outpouring of love. Like, oh my God, I'm so happy you're bringing Stanton Social back. Like it was staggering how many messages I got and how many messages I'm still getting. Um, people are just so excited that the brand is back. So hopefully I did it justice with this new iteration and we'll see what happens. Um, people who are familiar with your food here in Las Vegas know it through BD and Essex. What would you tell them is the main difference and what points of similarity are there between the two restaurants? I would say that if, 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 you, went to, if you went to Beauty and Essex on a Friday night and you came here on a Saturday night, you, you, you would be able to tell that they are sister restaurants. Um, similar style of service, um, encouraging sharing all the time. Uh, I think that uh, it's a little bit more whimsical here. It's a little more, our menu here is a little bit more fun. Um, uh, not that Beauty and Essex isn't fun, but I think we, we intentionally tried to inject a lot of whimsy into the menu here. Beauty and Essex, as it was in New York, you know, Stanton Social came first. When we opened Beauty and Essex, we always called Beauty and Essex like, you know, the, the sort of like bigger brother, a bigger sister of Stanton Social. A little bit more sophisticated, a little bit more um, conducive, like less party and a little bit more, you know, I don't want to say more food focused because we're food focused everywhere, but but less of a party kind of place. Beauty and Essex has a high energy, but I think Stanton Social Prime is going to be a real party spot. It's just really great food. It's going to be great. How does the club aspect of having Omnia next door interact with the vibe you're trying to create here? Well, I don't know because we haven't actually opened yet. But <laughs> you got to have um, something in mind. Yeah, I mean, I think that on club nights, I, I have to imagine, we all have to imagine that um, you know, a majority of, of, of club goers are, you know, given a choice, they're going to want to eat close by. And we could literally not be closer. We literally share a door with Omnia. Um, and I think we're the perfect complement because we, you know, we, Tower Group knows how to capture that, um, the nightlife crowd. And I, I would have to guess that almost all of our diners on club nights after nine o'clock are going to be Omnia guests. And so it's going to create a really great experience for our guests um, where they, can, they don't have to, you know, eat at, you know, uh, another property, you know, halfway down the strip and then come all the way here, but, you know, if they're looking for a place with a similar vibe, right? Um, if they're looking for a quiet restaurant before dinner, well, that's not going to be us probably. Right. But if they're looking for like a, like a light night, nice long night of, you know, a party atmosphere, mm -hmm. um, but also with great food and wine and hospitality and all that, where the, we, we're going to be that place for them. So you've been in um, Las Vegas over a decade now. What have you learned about this market, about this city, and has it changed, or has your opinion of it changed over that time? Um, people, well, I, well, I always try to force <laughs> force people to share my food. Um, you know, my cookbook is called Share. Um, I, it's, just, it's just what I love to do when I cook at home. and have people, I love to just put things in the center of the table and have everyone just kind of continue their own conversations and just celebrate whatever they're celebrating around food that's, that's shared. Oh, yeah. 
It's a little bit harder to do that here in Vegas because we get a lot of tourists who just want their steak, they want their salad, and they want their dessert, and that's it. Um, so, you know, that's one, one of the challenges of our menus because we don't build our menus that way. We build our menus to be shared, and so sometimes it can be a little bit difficult to execute when everyone wants their own thing. But at the end of the day, we're here. That's, that's, that applause is not for me, by the way. Um, at the end of the day, we're here for the guests, so we give them what they want. But with that in mind, how would you advise people to eat at Stanton Social when they come in? The menu is broken up into a few simple sections. We have raw and rare, if that's your thing. And that could be, you know, oysters on the half shell, or it could be, um, you know, crudos, carpaccios. Then we have our shareables, which are our classic sharing dishes, like the French onion soup dumplings, etc. Then we've got steaks, not steaks, and hot potatoes and not potatoes. And I would just basically choose one or two from each section. And, and you know, we'll, we slice all the steaks. We'll slice anything you want. You know, we, pr we try to make everything as user-friendly as possible for sharing. Um, so that's what I would suggest. Bar and Restaurant Expo is in town early next week from March 27th through the 29th. And as you heard us mention last week, some local favorites like John Anthony from Sparrow and Wolf and the Sparrow and Wolf team and Chef Daniel Ontiveros from Carver Steak are up for Innovator Awards. Also, the International Pizza Expo runs from March 28th through March 30th. Both are at the Las Vegas Convention Center. Obviously, there are a lot of events surrounding both, some public, some private. But if you want to hang out with some of the world's best pizza makers, Slice Out Hunger is hosting a Pizza Expo tailgate party as a special welcome event to kick off Pizza Expo 2023. The event will take place on Sunday, March 26th, that is this Sunday, from 5 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. on 3rd Street in front of Pizza Rock. All attendees will receive unlimited pizza. You'll get to listen to a live DJ play some music. There'll be prizes and more for a $45 tax-deductible donation. You can donate more if you're comfortable, too. Very limited tickets are available through sliceouthunger.org. 100% of the proceeds will be donated to Slice Out Hunger. And if you're a Golden Knights fan and a dog person and a fan of Wolfgang Puck's food, <laughs> all of the above. I'm all three of those. Yes. You're going to want to head over to Wolfgang Puck's player, Wolfgang Puck's Players Locker this Sunday. <laughs> I don't know. That's a long name, and I get it wrong it sometimes. Is. But you know where it is. It's over in downtown Summerlin. It is. This is also on Sunday, March 26th, between noon and 5 p.m. Shea Theodore, William Carlson, Riley Smith, Logan Thompson, J Zach Whitecloud, and Alec Martinez, others from the team, will be on hand with their dogs adopted through the retriever retriever rescue and they will be raising money for that rescue with an auction raffle and a portion of the proceeds from any food that you purchase during that time all go into the retriever rescue and don't forget about two amazing events you can participate in to help your community and spread great works with and through the culinary industry here in las vegas on Saturday, April 15th, at the Palms Hotel and Casino, Chefs for Kids will be hosting its 31st annual fundraising dinner honoring the works of Chef Chris Johns. Tickets start at $250 per person, with tables for 10 starting at $2,500 and higher, including various sponsorship opportunities. There'll be both silent and live auctions, dinner, drinks, and you get to hang out with Al and I as we emcee the evening. Tickets and, lots, tickets and more information are available at chefsforkids.org. And as mentioned last week, Picnic in the Alley is returning to downtown Las Vegas on Sunday, May 21st, an event curated by women for everyone, benefiting the Shade Tree Las Vegas. More information and tickets at picnicinthealley.com. 
And don't forget that ticket prices go up after April 1st. And if you have any questions about either one of these, find me on social media and I can help you out. That is about it for this week. Thank you to everyone, to Jackson Stamper, to Kathleen Thomas, to James Trees, Chris Santos, uh, Ken Heck. Thank you all for being part of this podcast. And please tell a friend about the Food and Loathing podcast, which is available on all the usual podcast places. But you know that because you found it. <laughs> um, you can check out my musings and postings on the social media sites. Um, and you can just search for Food and Loathing or Food and Loathing podcast. And you can reach us directly by email. Info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you haven't done it yet, and why not? My weekly reminder, download the Neon Feast app and use it to find your next dining destination. Whatever you need, whatever you want, you'll find it on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. If you want to see Al on TV, you have to see the new colors of his mohawk. His weekly appearance on Wake Up with the CW will now occur every Friday around 8.30 a.m. You can also catch him all week long on the Neon Feast update on the Vibe. 9097, excuse me. That's okay. <laughs> 99.7, is that what you were going That's for there? That's the one here in Las Vegas. 98.1 in the high desert and 98.9 at the river and every Thursday morning around 8, 10 a.m. on the club at AM 670, 670 KMZQ. How do I find time to Hi. do this podcast? I don't know where you find the time. Oh, my gosh. Well, and if you want to know what I'm up to, you want to talk about butterboards since it came up today. You want to know what I'm cooking with all that stuff I bought at the Asian market. Just find me at Wishbone and Vine. With Samantha Gemini Stevens, I am Al Mancini. Wow, that was an interesting thing. You notice I just kicked the table and there was a little like, like ACDC Hell's Bells right? going on there. Sound effects. I'm gonna leave, you can leave that in there, Rich, if you like, or you can take it out. Anyway, with Samantha Gemini Stevens and on behalf of all of our friends who hosted us here at Ada's today, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry.